hello and a very warm welcome to the latest edition of City Parents Talk. I'm Anna Richards from City Parents and today I'm delighted to be joined by Caroline Atkins. Caroline is the global head of HR for Navigate Group, an oil trading company. She is mum to two children who are now 17 and 20. During her career of 30 years in HR at various large companies, Caroline has taken two maternity leaves. She's worked full-time and part-time. She's worked from home like so many of us over the last 18 months or so. And in her role, of course, she hears from employees all the time about their desires for balance and flexible working alongside their home and professional lives. So she's got lots of wonderful, valuable experience and she's very kind enough to talk to me today about her reflections over the last 30 years of work and 20 years of those as a working parent. Caroline, thank you so much for joining me. Let's start by thinking back to the beginning of your career, which was now Fujitsu, where you were there for nine years. This was before you had your children, is that right? Could you tell me a little bit about that role? And and I suppose pre-children, if you had any plans and expectations for what the future might look like back at that point? Yes. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me today. And uh, I'll just caveat this with this very much my own personal perspective and uh, don't mean to overlay that on anybody. And to some degree, 30 years, I mean, it's the dark ages and things have changed so significantly for the better since then. I mean, I started at ICL, which is now Fujitsu, in 1988 and uh, straight from university, joined their HR graduate scheme my remit was UK-wide, so I was constantly staying in hotels and out for at least sort of three to four nights a week. So it was a strange baptism into a corporate career. And HR is a strange place to work as well if you want to make friends and relations. And I moved from university at Nottingham into my first job with RCL on the Hagley Road in Birmingham, and then subsequently moved to Bracknell and and then, then my career took off. It, it was a strange baptism, as I say, because it was quite isolating being both away a lot of the time from home, being Birmingham at the time, and also being in HR where there's a natural, you know, distance, I think, between you and the people that you're surrounded by at, at work. So in terms of relationships, it was a pretty dry period, I have to say. And my expectations of having a family, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind, that I would like to, you know, have a family. But I think my career was very much first and foremost in my views at the time and has really kind of remained so as well, actually. You know, if I was honest, my job has probably always come first or almost before everything. I mean, it, it, it provides for a family and so therefore it provides for my children. But equally, it's really been first and foremost right through the last 30 years. Absolutely. I don't think there's any shame in that at all. And it's so difficult, isn't it, before you have children to have many expectations about how that might change things. So first of all, you had your daughter, is that right? Yeah, your daughter's your right. eldest. Yes. So, so thinking back to having your daughter, you obviously took a maternity leave. Did you take a long time? How did you find that adjustment? At this stage, I'd, I'd moved companies and I'd been with Chubb for five years. At, at the time, you had to have two years service before you're entitled to maternity leave. Thank God they've changed that now. And I went off and had Rosie when I was 36, 37, so really quite late in life. And I just used six months. So when I was back at work, after 
six months, which isn't that unusual. I think I see a lot of um, working mums doing that. I think increasingly now people tend to take a bit longer, perhaps. But yeah, so I came back after after six months and it was the most radical shock, really, having a child. <laughs> I had only ever held a baby once for about five minutes and uh, had absolutely no idea. And I was shell-shocked. I can honestly say I was shell-shocked by the experience. <laughs> Nothing prepared me for that at all. I felt like I'd been plucked from a, an environment where I was in control and knew what I was doing. I had qualifications. I passed tests and exams and professional qualifications. And all of a sudden here, somebody's given me the most precious little gift. And I can remember lying in the hospital bed after she was born and not knowing how to change a nappy, not knowing how to latch the child on to, to suckle. I just was clueless. And uh, so, you know, I, I'd attended all the antenatal classes and stuff leading up, which I obviously for some reason whatever was relevant passed me by I can just remember sitting at three o'clock in the morning with this new baby screaming and just feeling completely inadequate I didn't have any experience of sisters brothers anyone who'd had a child that I'd had anything to do with so if if anyone else finds themselves in that position I would speak kindly to yourself I think that's so important positive self-talk you're going to be okay just one step at a time so yeah big shock it's a big shock. It's so refreshing and lovely to hear you being so honest about that. I felt very, very similarly. And all the NCT classes in the world can't really prepare you, can it? It's such a, no. such a shock. So you went back to work after six months. Did you go back full time at that point? No, I was super lucky. And you know what? At, back in the day, part-time arrangements, certainly in the company I was working, big corporate American insurer, they were unheard of. Being the H, I was at, I was at the time the HR manager, and they kind of looked at me and I think they were a bit worried. You know, she probably knows the employment law better than we do. But no, they were super helpful. I had the best boss. And um, in fact, in, in fairness, he was a guy, a German guy, and he really held the mirror up because I said, look, I'll come back four days a week. And he said, Caroline, you know, are you going to be able to cope? Because I had a big job, you know, I had a, I had a big job. And I actually thought about it, talked to my husband and we decided actually we'd, we'd do three days a week. And that was actually right. It was the right decision for me at that time yeah. and for the job. And so did you do three days a week until you then had your son? I did, and I remained doing three days a week for 15 years. Oh, did you? Wow. But when I had my son, which was three years later, I actually took a demotion voluntarily because I just felt at that time that I couldn't be everything, okay? I couldn't do this big job and feel like I was being a good enough... And then I go back to the caveat that I had at the outset. It says, this is me, right? I felt personally that I was just being pulled in too many different directions. So I took this demotion and it just enabled me to take my foot off the gas a little bit in terms of my career and really just return to my comfort zone as opposed to pushing myself the whole time um, and I felt that would just gave me a bit more peace of mind but other people do continue to progress their career and take promotion and whatnot and, but just for me it wasn't wasn't something I really felt comfortable with so I, I took a demotion. I think I, we certainly hear from lots of working parents, particularly those younger years with children, that often people make very mm. similar decisions. I think a lot of people that identify with that with that decision, even though I can feel you sort of justifying it to me a little bit, and I completely understand that, you know, people... 
adjust, don't they? Their work around their lives or, or vice versa, I suppose. And then what sort of childcare arrangements did you have when your two were younger? And, and how was the transition then to primary school? Because that, I remember for me, thinking, oh, this was always quite easy when they're in full-time nursery and actually mm-hmm. thinking life would get better when they went to school. And in fact, it brings its own complications with the working day uh, and the school day. Do you know, that's such a good question. And it also tugs at my heartstrings because when I had Rosie first, off she went to nursery. And I would say, as a cautionary note, is that your, your partner is so super important. So I was fortunate enough, I'm divorced now, but actually my husband at the time was a local solicitor. So he could do all the drop-offs and the pickups. And I could just, the three days that I was at work, they were my days at work and I had no pressure to be present, which worked really, really well. So Rosie was at nursery for the first three and a half years, but then the cost is prohibitive. Even three days a week, when Henry came along, we looked at doubling the cost, obviously two children. And we actually decided to go um, down the nanny route instead because it just provides so much more flexibility. Obviously at nursery, the drop-off and the pick-up times prescribed and also with Rosie starting at, you know, preschool or whatever, exactly to point Anna, they have the most crazy drop-off and pick-up times which certainly don't align with any, you know, work of any sort. So we went down the nanny route, but a cautionary note there is that I'm ashamed to admit that as an HR person, I had no idea that I was entering into an employer-employee arrangement with this nanny and I would have to play employers and national insurance, sick pay. She didn't go off on maternity, thank goodness, but I have other friends whose nanny did go off on maternity and they've got maternity pay and then they've got to pay for another nanny because obviously they still need someone to look after their children. So, you know, the whole thing about, you know, childcare is, is really important So we managed to flounder through with the nanny for a little bit. And then when Henry was kind of in nursery school, we had some wraparound care. So he he would go to his little nursery and then we would have an after school club who would come to the school and pick him up. And you know what? I I can remember beating myself up at the time because there was some article I read about how children should only have like so many points of contact in a day. So my children had, you know, daddy, the school then they had the the after school and then they had a nanny and then they had daddy or mummy again and so if you added up all these points of contact you know mine would have absolutely been you know anyway so the point being just don't listen to some of this narrative that you read in the story just check in on your children they look fine I'm sure they're fine (laughs) anyway so that was difficult and then holidays and these holiday clubs, which start at 10 in the morning and, and go on till three in the afternoon is totally useless, obviously, for a working mum or dad. So really, for me, that the nanny option was was really the only thing that was particularly going to work. But it is it is super expensive. It's not easy, is it? We had a similar scenario of stitching together different types of childcare through the week, not really knowing if we're coming or going, but you do your best. So thinking now obviously you've got lots of experience HR roles and I wondered about your professional perspective on all of this really I wondered what issues you hear about from employees from working parents in particular wanting to kind of balance their home and work life and thoughts about the last 18 months and how that may have helped or or hindered some of this flexing work around life rather than the other way around 
Yeah, before I get on to the pandemic, some reflections over time. I've always long held the belief that that flexible working really it, it should cease to be a woman's issue. The more that men have the opportunity to take on board the responsibilities, which increasingly they are doing. I'm not saying that men in the past didn't want to. It just was never something that I think was open to to men in the past. And it always was boiled down to this women's issue, which is so detrimental to business as well as to women themselves, because it, you know, restricts their opportunity to, to contribute, I believe. But nowadays things are changing substantially. You know, we've seen the increase in paternity leave, for men, you know, shared paternity leave, maternity leave. So it's becoming less of a woman's issue and more of a family issue. And I think the pandemic has accelerated that um, massively. And people have had a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain about what life might or could be like. And they're looking for more balance, I think, rather than, you know, constantly having your foot on the accelerator leaving home at seven and getting home at seven, you know, and and really not having the opportunity for doing very much in the week. I mean, I was reflecting with a, a male colleague of mine recently, he was saying that pretty much didn't see him from Sunday night to, to Saturday morning because he was just never there, you know, when they were going to, to bed or whatever, he just wasn't there. So I think men now definitely as much as women want to have more of a balance. And I think that the pandemic has has really accelerated that and you know it's interesting that the Labour Party are putting forward a bill to make flexible working a legal requirement in a contract of organisations and whether or not that will get through whether it's the right thing or not but you know there's Scotland also looking for a four-day working week so I think there's there is certainly change afoot I think the pendulum has swung very much in one direction whether it will rebalance itself and will end up perhaps not at such an extreme outcome as some of these things might indicate but probably somewhere on a midpoint between the two but I certainly do think that it's great that that men have got more flexibility and that companies beginning to see that actually the, the job should go to the talent not necessarily the talent go to the job and it opens up all sorts of opportunities you know it opens up opportunities for you know hiring people for companies that actually perhaps are not located in the same place and just it it begins to create a different environment and a different opportunity and a different way of thinking I think which is is great I think we've got way to go but I think it's a really good good outcome from the pandemic of at least there's been something that may be a good outcome from the pandemic. Absolutely yeah it feels like it's certainly accelerated perhaps a few policies or preferences I suppose that people maybe have wanted and we'll we'll see what the future holds but I'm really glad to hear you're optimistic if there was there may well be listeners who are hoping to take on some of this flexibility some of the good sides that have come out of the the pandemic how would you advise them to to go about this thinking about perhaps talking to their manager or their employer about their pressures at home maybe they might have caring responsibilities and would like a little bit more flexibility in their role or enjoyed perhaps the fact they were forced forced to work from home and that gave them some flexibility which they might worry maybe being um, taken away from them as the well slowly returns to some sort of normality what are the general principles that you would give to somebody wanting to have those kind of conversations with their with their manager or their boss well of course nowadays in the UK everyone has a statutory right male or female 
regardless of any caring responsibilities to apply formally for a flexible working arrangement. I mean, ideally, uh, companies will listen openly and, and people wouldn't have to refer back to a statutory right. But, you know, I always think it's important to think through very carefully how you mitigate any, any impact on the organisation if you do want to have a flexible working arrangement and be very clear in your own head about going towards your manager with more of a sort of business proposition, really, to say, look, this is this is a situation, this is what I would propose, this is potentially the impact, this is how I'd mitigate it, this is what the rest of the team's doing, and just be able to sort of think through in the round as opposed to just thinking about your own personal perspective, you know, just think about how you can help your manager to help you. And most employers, I think, are pretty open to that type of discussion. And be clear about what, what you want and, you know, what the timescales are, whether it's a contractual change you want to your hours, which is, a you know, a permanent arrangement or whether it's just something that you know you, you want on a more temporary basis on a sort of less formal footing but obviously knowing that that may may change it, it's difficult sometimes I mean I was very fortunate because I was able to adapt my day so I, I, I think I've just about done every pattern that you could possibly do I think I landed on Monday Wednesdays and Fridays being the best combination of three days but I, I think also for me, it's about having a flexible mindset. So if, if you do land on a, on a set set of days, just also being very clear with your manager that actually, you know, if you need to come in on a certain day, then you make every effort to do so. I and mean, obviously, if you've got childcare, you, you know, can you do that? I mean, well, at least look willing, I guess. It is tough, but usually with a bit of effort and a bit of flexibility, and a bit of goodwill, there is a way around it. I think that's really interesting and really interesting to hear about your work patterns and what worked best for you with your three days a week. Is there anything that you look back and think that you'd wish you'd done differently? Any reflections that you might change if you had those times again? Um, with my children yeah you know we put them in a school it was a private school at the time and I I think the the academic pressure on the children was quite high and I beat myself up a lot because I wasn't there often to help with homework and you know just relationships at school and some of the pressures that, that my children were feeling and well I think looking back on it I think it's very you know parents are terrible mums are terrible that is they're constantly comparing they're constantly benchmarking you know is your baby drinking from a cup yet how many spellings did your child get right I mean I actually know of parents who would invite children back for tea so that they could look in their book bags to see what they were getting in their report cards I mean literally so there's a lot of there can be a lot of pressure and I mean my daughter was quite self-sufficient actually and kind of just kept her head below the parapet but you know she's at university now doing a marketing degree she's hugely self-sufficient she's very self-reliant she's got her head screwed on and you know all those I look back and I think god all the time I used to worry so much was she gonna be okay and she's doing QMON classes I don't know if anyone's heard of QMON you know it's next maths drilling and you know drilling in this and drilling in that and drilling in the other things and actually you know t- <laughs> You can take a step back, I think. that I don't think any of that push, push, pushing really does them much good. And actually, I think 
allowing them to flourish at their own rate is probably a lot more beneficial for you as a family, for your relationship with kids, and also for them to develop self-reliance. I think you, you can demonstrate that you're hardworking through your work as a value. You know, hopefully you set the right values for them and, and they follow. And my son, you know, as well, he's bright. COVID did him a favour because he had predicted grades and he's <laughs> had to sit public exam. That suited him down to the ground. Um, and he's at college now and he, he's loving it and, you know, very independent at 17, goes off and gets the train. So I think things tend to have a way of working out. OK, beat yourself up too much. That's what I think. If someone had told me back then, don't put too much pressure on yourself or on the children, just just let things develop. That's such a lovely, lovely note to finish on, Caroline. I actually love that piece of advice because I think... Oh, it's making me already do it. I'm sure it may call our listeners just take a deep breath, shoulders back. It's okay. Things are going to be okay. We have a tendency to want to control everything, don't we? And actually mm. don't put too much pressure on yourself, I think is a wonderful piece of advice. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much, Caroline, for chatting to me today. It's been really lovely hearing about your children and the different sort of phases and types of work that you've done over the years. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our listeners as well. If you'd like to find out more about City Parents, please do visit us at cityparents.co.uk. You can see what's coming up next on our programme of webinars, on-demand content in our library, where our podcasts feature just like this one. And you can stay tuned for more from City Parents Talk coming soon. Goodbye.